Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. It's going to be a great Sunday today. How many believe God's Word is going to speak to you today? Okay. We're in the right place then. Uh, we're in the book of Acts. If you're a guest with us today, uh, we've been going through the book of Acts. We'll probably actually continue this through a lot of the summertime. Um, it's really, the book of Acts is about the apostles and their life and how the Holy Spirit worked through them and through the church. And it's really about serving God together. Uh, the mission that is given to us in Acts is go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We're called to go replicate what we have discovered in our, in our uh, discovery of who Christ is in our life. We're called to go replicate that and share that good news to others. Amen. Um, last week, I shared from Acts chapter 5, and I st- shared about the story of Ananias and Sapphira. Probably one of the most difficult chapters in the Bible, where uh, Ananias and Sapphira, they lied to God, and they lied to their friends and to the church, and, and they paid a, 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 a difficult price. But the takeaway from that story last week was that we need to guard ourselves from de- spiritual deception. We need to guard our hearts from being deceived and, and thinking that we somehow can lie to the Spirit of God. We cannot, we, we cannot do that. God knows everything already. So don't be so foolish to think you can lie to God. And then we need to become spiritually aware. And how do we become spiritually aware as followers of Christ? Because for me, everything that I do, everything that we need to be doing is continuing to understand how do I walk out this life to follow Christ? And spiritual awareness happens when we... Dig into the truth of God's word. When we pray, when we understand the truth, that's when we become more spiritually aware than ever. And we start understanding, hey, I've been deceived in this area. I don't know if you guys have ever experienced this, but I've been deceived for years on certain things. And all of a sudden, God just awakens me to something. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, why would I have ever thought that was okay? And then all of a sudden, it wasn't a big deal, it was just, but it was something that was not godly. And he turns me in the direction and says, hey, hey. Let me make you spiritually aware. Maybe it's just talking bad about someone. Maybe it's, you know, continuing putting somebody down when they need to be lifted up. Whatever it might be, God brings that spiritual awareness on to our lives. Um, I encourage you to read the rest of Acts chapter 5 because I'm not going to talk about it today. But when you get a chance, do that. Because it really talks about more of God's healing power, how the miraculous has taken place through the church, through the power of the Holy Spirit. And because of these miracles, because of the salvations, there's excitement that's taken place. But because of this excitement, the whole book of Acts is kind of this direction. Because of that excitement, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, they're get, becoming jealous against this, this movement called the Way, which is the church. It's fought the followers of Jesus Christ. They're, they're becoming jealous of that. And the persecution of the, of the church continues forward. In fact, in the end of Acts chapter 5, it says that they arrested the apostles. And put them into prison. But miraculously, they were delivered out of prison by an angel of the Lord. And then they were arrested again, it talks about. It goes through that whole process. And uh, when they were arrested again, they were brought before the council, the Sanhedrin. And they told them, hey, you've got to stop speaking this man named Jesus in his name or of him, period. Stop speaking to him. And then I love how Peter responds once again with the answer. We must obey God rather than any human authority. There'll be times in your life when someone will tell you you cannot no longer speak of God. Well, you cannot do, 
And yet you have a right in your life to be able to share, especially if someone asks about what is, what is different with you about your relationship of your faith in God. And so this is where Peter is standing up. He says, no, no, we're going to obey God rather than human authority. So basically the scripture says they flogged them. They gave them good spanking. It seems like in the New Testament you could flog someone for anything. I am so glad I don't live in the New Testament days. All of a sudden they flogged all 12 apostles and sent them on their way. Now we're entering into chapter 6 and 7 of the, of, of the book of Acts. And this is an exciting time, guys. It's a difficult time, but it's an exciting time. Because we're introduced to a man uh, that his name is Stephen. And he's a powerful testimony of who Christ is. Stephen was considered the first martyr of the church. He's the first, a martyr was, the meaning of the martyr was a person who gave up his life for the cause of following Christ. Now we know John the Baptist was killed prior to this, but John the Baptist was really killed before Jesus, and he was killed because he, he, he basically because of Herodias, uh, he was killed because he was pointing out sin in the king's life, and then that ended up costing his, him his life. But the idea that Stephen is the first martyr, he's the first follower of Christ that all of a sudden gives up his life because of Christ. And we're introduced to Stephen in Acts chapter 6 because he is one of the seven that are chosen in the everyday distribution of food. It's kind of like our ministry Meals on Wheels that we were doing. It's basically they're going out and they're feeding, they're feeding meals to those who are widows, to those who have no one to provide for them. So let's start in Acts chapter 6. Verse 1, and we're going to read through verse 12. Follow along with me if you have your Bibles. I encourage you to do so. But as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. So, see, even back then they had problems in the church. Okay, so there we go. So the 12 called a meeting of all the believers. They said... We apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. And so, brothers, select seven men who are well-respected and are full of the spirit of, and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. Then, when, then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. Everyone liked this idea, and they chose the following. Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, and Nicholas of Antioch an earlier convert to the Jewish faith. These seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them as they laid their hands on them. So God's message continued to spread. The number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem, and many of the Jewish priests were converted too. Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed amazing miracles and signs among the people. But one day, some men from the synagogue freed from the synagogue of free slaves, as it was called, started to debate with him. They were Jews from Cyrene, Alexandria, Cilicia, and the province of Asia. None of them could stand against the wisdom and the spirit which Stephen spoke. So they persuaded some men to lie about Stephen, saying, We heard him blaspheme Moses and even God. This roused the people, the elders, and the teachers of the religious law. So they arrested Stephen and brought him before the high council. Let's take a moment and let's just pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word today. And I pray, God, that once again your word, Lord God, will become revelation into our lives to change us from our perspectives, Lord God, that we might have personally, Lord God. I pray that you would give us your perspective today, that your word, Lord God, would change us from the inside out. Um, Lord, 
Let your word be powerful and effective in our lives. I pray that your Holy Spirit, Lord God, would reveal truth to us today. In Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. The church was growing and there were many, many needs. And so in the church, if you didn't realize this, in, in those days, um, if you, widows were in desperate need because many times if you didn't have a husband or if you didn't have a father to provide, it was a male-dominated world in the New Testament. If you didn't have someone to provide for you, you would be in trouble. So the church stepped up and they were meeting the needs of, of these widows. They were having a, basically a feeding program, a Meals on Wheels, except it wasn't cars. It was carts that were rolling through the streets. And they were delivering these meals and, and the apostles were caught up on all that. And the apostles didn't have time to really do what they were called to do as far as teaching and preaching the Word of God. So they delegated this part of the ministry to others within the church. And these are really the first recorded deacons in the Bible. Deacons are people who serve the church. They're there to, to have an impact on the, the people's lives. And they're ter- there to help people. And so these are the first recorded deacons. And I believe one of the key factors for growth is when people continue to step up and allow God, the Holy Spirit, to use the gifts that he has given you within the church. When we do that together as the body of Christ, guess what? The church continues to grow. Look at verse 7 again in Acts chapter 6. It says, so God's message continued to spread. The number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem, and many of the Jewish priests were converted too. Think of that. The Jewish priests, probably the Pharisees, some of them were actually converting to this new thing called the way. They became followers of Jesus Christ. There is revival happening in the church. Yeah, come on somebody. Verse 5 states that one of the men that was chosen for for this service was a man named Stephen. And scripture declares that Stephen was a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. And today I want to spend some time examining Stephen's life and to discover how Stephen's life can impact our life. Amen? Because that's what it's all about, is for life changing us. Verse 8 states that Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, was performing miracles and signs among the people. And I love this scripture. Here is Stephen, basically a man who has this gift of administration on his life. And that's one of the gifts of the Spirit is this gift of administration where he can organize and he can do these things. So he's leading this ministry, Meals on Wheels, like what we have. Basically, he's serving the community, he's serving the church, he's going out, he's, he's walking up, he's being able to bless the widows, he's being able to bless people with different food, and he's bringing it into the community. But at the same time, as he's walking up and he sees someone in the, you know, they walk up to the door and he says, hey, I have a meal for you today. And they're in the wheelchair. And he goes, you know what, let me pray for you. In the name of Jesus, walk. And the person is healed. That's what it says in Scripture. I'm not making this stuff up, read read your Bible, okay. All of a sudden, that person's healed. All of a sudden, someone's not feeling good. Hey, I have a meal for you today. Hey, but let me pray for you today. And all of a sudden, they start praying over that person. All of a sudden, that person was made well. The power of God was moving in a miraculous way. What can we learn from Stephen's life? And how do we apply it to our own life? I think the first thing that we can see in Stephen was that he was willing, he had this willingness to serve. So the question for you and for me today, do we have the willingness to serve? Are you willing to serve? 
As you read this scripture, it sounds like the apostles are kind of just, they don't want to serve anymore. They don't want to take on the responsibilities. They want to hand everything off. You know, we're not called to do this food program. When you read it, it kind of almost sounds like they're arrogant in some ways. You know, we don't have time for this. Find someone else to do this. We're going to do our own thing. But I don't believe that's the case at all. I believe the apostles recognized that they had a calling upon them. They recognized that God had anointed them and placed a calling upon them to teach and to preach God's word. To pray, to teach, to preach God's word. That's what their calling was. To go and make disciples of all nations. They were called to be sent forth. And they were recognizing that this food program that was taking place was all the details of that was, was taken away from the time of their calling. And for me, it reminds me, for all of us, you need to know your calling. What has God called you to do? What is he calling you to do? Hang on for just a second. This thing keeps on falling down. I mean, there we go. What is God calling you to do? Is God calling you to be part of the worship team? Go talk to Pastor Brett. See if he, he's going to decide if you have the voice to do it or not. Or maybe you're supposed to play in the band. Maybe you're supposed to serve and, and help in the greeters ministry. Maybe you're supposed to lead a small group. One of our groups and, and, and lead people in your neighborhood and say, you know, I'm going to start a small group in my neighborhood. I'm going to invite not just Christian friends of mine. That's good. But also my neighbors that who need to know Christ. What, what are we called to do? Find your calling and get into your calling. You see, the thing I love about Stephen and these other six men. See, they, you could have thought that, oh, this was, too, this was, this was beneath me. Because probably these guys walked with Christ as well. They probably knew Christ themselves. It says that they were respectful men and they were filled with the Spirit of God. They could have been assigned this job and they could have said, oh, well, wait, wait a minute here. You, you want me to serve, serve food? Really? Seriously? See, they were willing to serve. And this is the thing I want you to catch. They, were willing to, they, they weren't waiting for a title. They weren't waiting for an appointment. They, they were prayed over. But they were willing to do whatever it took to make the church grow. And in the process of that, they were not going to be held back from with the Holy Spirit moving in them. Stephen is performing miracles like crazy. I mean, it's blowing up. In fact, he's getting to a place where all of a sudden now he's being questioned about his gifts. Paul talks about the gifts of the church, how we are to use those gifts so that the church can continue to grow. That's what's happening in the church of those day, in that day. Many times I think we as believers are waiting for an appointment. I'm here to declare to you today, you don't have to wait. Just start. Just begin. Allow the Holy Spirit to start working through you today. Just like Stephen, we're not limited to a, to a title of administration or an accounting or if you're a business owner, you're not limited to that title or a software engineer or a plumber or a landscaper or a nurse. Let me remind you of something. If, and the list can go on and on and on and on. First and foremost in your life, you're a follower of Christ. Amen. Everything else is secondary. So that, everything else takes a back seat. You use your gifts to continue to move forward with Jesus Christ. If we're followers of Jesus, we're called to fulfill the great commission of reaching and loving people through the gifts God has given us. And can I just remind you, because we get need to disperse sometimes, and I, I, I very much appreciate people who respect the office of the pastor. I think that's a good thing, and I think God honors that. But at the same time, some people take the office of the pastor 
and they put it in such a position that they believe that, they, that it's, everything happens through the pastor. Can I tell you something today? Not everything happens through the pastor. Some of you have greater faith than I do. God has given you a gift of faith in you. Some of you have a, a, the, 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 the gift of praying over the sick. It's just a gift on you. Some of you have a kind of a prophetic gift in you where, where you can speak life into someone. You can exhort in such a way that it encourages them. We all have different gifts. And you, let me just say something. You don't have to call the pastor for prayer if you have the Holy Spirit in you. You can pray. You can pray for yourself and you can pray for others. You don't have to wait for Pastor Tom to start a Bible study. You can start a Bible study. Amen. God can work through all of us, and that's the growth of the church. Amen. That was my plug for life groups, by the way, just so you could get plugged into a life group. Amen. Let me just share that for just a second. We're designing our life groups in such a way, if you're not a part of the life group, this is our last week. Come join us for our very last week. Usually, uh, it's either Sunday night for young adults or Wednesday nights for the rest of us here at the church. We'd love for you to connect. But our life groups are designed in such a way, if you haven't seen them recently, we actually go through the message of Sunday but the way we do it is we actually have it on YouTube. We have a video where it's about five or six minutes where someone will lead you through a Bible study. All you have to do is basically host it, get prepared. But it's, the reason we've done it this way is so that you can invite your neighbors to your home. And you can literally do a Bible study right in your home. Turn on the YouTube on your TV, and it leads you right through it. And people start, can start connecting th through, to Christ through you. Come on. That's a good thing. The second thing we see in Stephen's life was that he's filled with the Spirit. So the question for me and for you today, are we filled with the Spirit? That's a big one. Scripture states that Stephen was a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. You might ask, well, why is that important, Pastor Tom? Why, why having the Spirit of God in me? Why is that so important? Well, as you read through the Scripture, as you read through Stephen's life, you will recognize it's not so much about what Stephen is doing as much as it is about what the Holy Spirit is doing through Stephen. He has become a vessel of God. He's become a vessel where the Spirit of God is working through him in a mighty way, in a miraculous way where people are being healed and touched by the presence of God. Stephen had come to this point, he had to surrender himself to the Spirit of God, to the power of God. And it was because of his passion and his desire to be used by God that miracles were taking place. But as we read further into this account of chapter 6, you'll discover that some people from the synagogue begin to question or debate Stephen. The scripture says in verse 10 that none of them could stand against the wisdom and the spirit by which Stephen spoke. So let me paint a picture for you so you can just get here real quick. Can you imagine someone calls, I don't know how they called back in those days, but they sent a messenger. Hey, such and such is six. Can you send a priest to pray for, for, for Martha? And so a priest comes out to pray for Martha. Nothing happens. Nothing's taking place. All of a sudden, a few hours later, Stephen shows up with his meals on wheels. Here's to deliver the meals. He brings the meal to them. Oh, I see that you're sick. Let me pray for you. He prays for the person sick. All of a sudden, they're, they're set free. They're, they're made completely whole. Do you think there'd be jealousy among the religious people of the day? They, they are being shown up by these guys that are part of the way. They have no real education behind them. How in the world are they doing it? And these people are. And then even when they start questioning them, these guys, the Pharisees, 
had studied the Sadducees. They had studied the law all of their life. They know it like the back of their hand. And yet when all of a sudden they start to question Stephen, Stephen has this ability that they can't even stand up to. They can't even compare to his wisdom and to what he is sharing. Why? Because it's not the spirit in him in the sense of his spirit. It's a spirit, big S, the spirit of God that is working through Stephen. I've shared this before, but I'll share it again with all of us. That we need to ask for the Holy Spirit to fill us. Not once in a while, on a daily basis. Lord God, fill me with your spirit. Look at the words of Jesus in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 11, verse 13. He says, so if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? When was the last time that you've asked for the Spirit of God to come into your life? See, this Holy Spirit is part of our salvation. He's the one that draws us, to, draws us into a relationship with Christ. But then there's another level when we invite the Holy Spirit who empowers us to do work above and beyond what we are capable of doing. And we have not. The Bible says we have not because we ask not. Ask not. So Jesus wants us to ask. And if we seek him, the scripture says if we seek him, we will find him. That is a promise that we can stand on. The third thing we see about Stephen's life was that he was prepared to strong, stand, stand strong in the faith. It was not easy, guys. Come on. He's being accused of these different things. He knows that if he stands for Christ, it could cost him his life. His life. He knows that. He recognizes that if he stands in, in his faith with Christ, it could literally cost him his life. It wasn't an easy task. But for a moment, let me just do some comparison. Because I think the life of Stephen is really interesting. Because if you compare his death to Christ's death, there's some really cool parallels between the two of them. And I started thinking, why would that take place? Both Jesus and Stephen were questioned by the high priest. They, they were both considered to be men full of wisdom. Both were accused falsely for the crimes that they did not commit. Both were accused of blasphemy and breaking the law. And both Jesus and Stephen prayed for God to for, forgive their killers. Think about that one. Both committed their spirits. Jesus committed his spirit to the Heavenly Father. And, and, and Stephen committed his spirit to his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. They had very parallels. And I thought, started thinking about that. You know what? In our life, if we're truly followers of Jesus Christ, someone should be able to look at our life and say, man, that life is paralleling so much to what Christ is doing. Your life all of a sudden takes on, because of the Spirit of God who's living inside of you, your life is taking on the things of Christ. And that's what we see in Stephen's life. It's pretty remarkable. Stephen was a follower of Jesus. He'd probably been traveling with Jesus before his crucifixion. He knew Christ, and now he has the very Spirit of God within him. For Stephen to stand against these false accusations, it was no easy task. Where did Stephen find the courage Knowing that he's probably facing the possibility of death, it was through the Holy Spirit. It's a reminder that the more time we spend with knowing Jesus, the more Jesus prepares for us what lies ahead. We don't know what lies ahead. It's a great reminder that we don't have to face the difficulties of life alone. I love that song. We don't have to face Egypt alone. God is with us. Whatever that might be. We don't stand alone when people falsely accuse us. We don't stand alone when someone has harmed us. 
We don't stand alone when cancer is declared over us. We don't stand alone when divorce appears to be imminent. We don't stand alone when people hate us. Do you know people hate you? We don't stand alone. We stand in knowing that Christ is with us in the power of his Holy Spirit. As the Apostle Paul writes, he says, and I love this passage of Scripture, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. It is Christ in us that gives us the strength. That's why we need the power of his Spirit in our lives because that helps us stand in difficult times. And it's not just to stand for our own sake. It's really to stand for the testimony of who Christ is in us. Means stand faithful to that testimony so that all can see who Christ is in you. Not for your glory, but would be encouragement for others. Stephen had to choose. Would he stand for Christ? Would he allow his accusers or would he allow his accusers or troubles to overcome his testimony? What was going to take place? If you read through the end of the story, you recognize that Stephen stood. He stood for Christ. It reminds me of the words that God spoke over Joshua in Joshua chapter 1-9 when Joshua was going to go into the, to the promised land. But it was really filled with enemy and the enemy encampments. And he walks in there and God gives Joshua the word in Joshua 1-9. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you might go. Stephen made a stand with God's power. And then look at what happens to Stephen. Because these accusers, they're, they're falsely accusing him. They're making up lies about him. They're saying that he's blaspheming God, that, they're, that he's blaspheming Moses, that he's blaspheming these things. They're making these lies about him. And when they all of a sudden, they look over to Stephen, this is what they see. His face became as bright as an angel's. Come on. The Spirit of God was all over Stephen during that time. And then the high priest, is during this time, the, the high priest asked this question. Are these accusations true? Oh, I bet you that high priest wishes he never asked that question. Hey, Stephen, are these accusations against you true? And then all of a sudden, Stephen gives a full theological discourse. Starting from, the, from, from Abraham to Jesus. He gives this theological discourse of how their, their lives, of how the, the ancestors, the Israelite ancestors, how they continue to persecute the prophets that were sent. They continue to per- persecute the leaders that God sent them. God continued throughout the Old Testament to send prophets and, and leaders to ask them to repent and turn from their wicked ways and to turn towards God. They wouldn't listen to them and then God would have to send them into Egypt or, or into Babylon because they weren't listening to God and then they, they would be kind of punished for that and then all of a sudden he'd bring them out and rescue them and said, hey, do you recognize that I am good? I am good. Follow me. And they refuse not to. And Stephen basically right now in his message to the Sanhedrin council, he accuses them, you guys are no different than your ancestors. The very spirit of God is here and you don't recognize it. In fact, God sent the Savior that we've been praying for for so long. He sent the Messiah, his very son, Jesus Christ, and you crucified him. You want to talk about starting an inferno? Stephen just called them murderers because they rejected the truth. Instead of embracing Jesus, they crucified him. The Jewish leaders became so infuriated, so irate with Stephen's accusations. Look what happens next. 
verses 55 through 58 of Acts chapter 7. So Acts 7, the first part, I'm going to ask that you study that on your own. But basically that's that theological discourse that Stephen gives. But then the last three verses here, it says, but Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit. Gaze in, so many times it talks about Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, full of the Holy Spirit, full of the Holy Spirit. There's a word there for us. We need to be full of the Holy Spirit. Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven and, and saw the glory of God. And he saw Jesus standing at the right hand or in the place of honor at God's right hand. And he told them, look, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. Verse 57. Then they put their hands over their ears and began shouting. They rushed at him and dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Speaking of Stephen. His accusers took off their coats and they laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. Boy, this thing is really coming to life now in the book of Acts. I want to point out something pretty powerful in this passage of scripture. And it never really came to life to me until I was studying for this message. I've, I've known this, but it's never come to the same life that I just recognized what was happening here. This is the only time that I've seen in Scripture where you ever see that Jesus is standing at the right hand of the Father. Any other time where you read Scripture, you'll see that Jesus is sitting. There's almost about a hundred different other occasions. Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father. But on this occasion... When Stephen looks up into heaven, he sees Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. What does that mean? I've heard messages preached that Jesus, that Jesus was standing to welcome Peter into heaven. I don't think that's the case. I don't. I believe Stephen was facing his enemy. He was facing evil. He was facing the, the difficulties of that, that world. And Jesus stood up for for. For, for Stephen, he stood up for righteousness. He stood up against sin. He stood up for the things that Stephen was standing up for himself. And it's a reminder for you and for me, when we stand, Jesus is standing right there with us. We're not standing alone. He's there with us. He's standing with us. I believe Jesus stood as a judgment against sin. It brings to life Psalm 68 in such a Rise up, O God, and scatter your enemies. Let those who hate God run for their lives. Blow them away like smoke. Melt them like wax in a fire. Let the wicked perish in the presence of God. I'm telling you right now, if you take a stand for Jesus, Jesus will not abandon you. You might think, well, Pastor Tom, did you not read the end of the story? Stephen was stoned. He was killed. I didn't say it was going to be easy. I didn't say that troubles weren't going to be there. Or not going to be difficult. I'm just saying that Jesus will be with you. The heavens parted. Stephen literally sees Jesus. I can't think of a better way to go. If I'm going to go, I want the heavens to part so I can see Jesus right there. And he's welcoming. Hey, hey G I see you. I'm standing for you in righteousness because I see you're standing against evil. He welcomed him. Hebrews 13.5 says, the Lord will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous. Stand strong by the power of his spirit. The last thing I want to leave with you today, and maybe it might be the most important thing that we have for the entire day. We see from Stephen's life that he left a legacy. And that's my fourth question for you today. Will your life leave a legacy? What you're doing, will it leave a legacy? 
At the end of verse 58, we read that Stephen was, after he gave this theological discourse, basically accused all of them of being murderers. They literally dragged them out of the court. And he was dragging them over to a place. They dragged, dragging Stephen over to a place where they're going to stone him. And as they were dragging out, these Pharisees, they, used, they wore these beautiful robes, these beautiful coats that were just adorned with all kinds of things, gorgeous. They were dragging them out. And on their way out, they were taking off their coats and they were laying them at the feet of a man named Saul, who we know as who? The Apostle Paul. He became the Apostle Paul, who wrote probably two-thirds of the New Testament. They laid their robes, their coats, at the feet of Saul. They took their coats off. They were picking up stones. They put Stephen over there. and they, I mean, it's pretty gruesome to think about. And they start to throw stones at Stephen. Stephen's being hit by these stones. He's being hated. The enemy is against him. I would believe that Stephen's still looking up into heaven. He's still seeing Jesus. He still recognizes his life calling. But as I was thinking about this, I have to think that forever, as Saul is standing there, the robes laid at his feet, he's a high official, so he's, Saul would not be at that point, prob, probably not throwing stones. He's just overseeing the whole thing. Remember, Saul at this point is against the church. He's against Christ. He's against the apostles. He's against this whole thing called the way. And he's watching them stone Stephen, this man filled with the Holy Spirit, this man full of faith. You want to tell me that that didn't make an impression or a lasting imprint on Saul's mind and on his life? That had to stay there for him. I mean, I think it had to bother him every single day when he recognized what had just taken place. What if what what Stephen was saying is true? What if God, this, this Jesus Christ, is the Son of God? What if He is truly our Savior? I think he had dreams about it at night. I think he was awakened by it, this legacy that Stephen left. When Jesus encountered Saul on the road to Damascus, You can read about that in Acts chapter 9 and also in Acts chapter 26. Two different accounts of the apostle or Saul at that point encountering Jesus on the road to Damascus. And if you don't understand what that meant was Saul was against Christ. All of a sudden, Christ appeared to, to Saul in a bright light, changed his life forever. He went from being a persecutor to being one of the biggest evangelists of the church reaching people and giving his own life for the cause of Christ. It was life-changing, a life-changing encounter with God. But Saul says that during that experience, in, in verse Acts chapter 26, verse 14, it's, Jesus says to Saul, it is hard for you to kick against the goats. What does that mean? Hard to kick against the goats. You know, I had to look it up because I didn't know. A goad was a stick. And it was made, and on the end of that stick was they put a a sharp iron piece that they would tie onto that stick. And so when the farmers would plow a field with the oxen, and they would be plowing a field, they would take that goad and they'd poke the oxen to keep it going in the direction that they want to go. They'd keep poking it. 
Well, sooner or later, the oxen, the ox would get tired of being poked in the you know side with this with this sharp object, and they would kick at the goad. The farmer knew that they needed to stay this direction. They need to keep on this direction. This is the right way. You got to keep. So he keep prodding them along. See. What God was doing to Saul was he just kept on prodding Saul in the direction, hey, you're, gotten, you're not on the right path. I'm going to keep on prodding you. Do you not believe that the testimony of Stephen, the legacy of Stephen was not a goad in Saul's life that all of a sudden when he, all of a sudden Jesus appeared to Saul in a bright light, all of a sudden that Saul's memory didn't go back to the testimony, the legacy of Stephen's life and say, oh my God, you are my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You see, you might not recognize it. Mike, you might not recognize it. I don't know why I pick on you, but I'm picking on you today. Emily, you might not recognize it. But people are following you. They're following your life. They're watching you. Is your life an example of Christ? You see, all of a sudden, Stephen's a legacy for Saul who became one of the greatest evangelists that the world had ever seen. He gave him, he went through everything, shipwrecks and bitten by snakes and stoned and beaten and beheaded at the end of his life for the cause of Christ. What would make a man do what he did? Yeah, the power of the Spirit of God. But I also believe there was a legacy that was set before him. Are you setting a legacy for those around you? Are you setting an example for your children, for your grandchildren, for your great-grandchildren? Or are you allowing the things of this world to distract you from the very important things of who God is? Today, that's my declaration over you, over all of us as a church, is that we're called to leave a legacy. Amen. Lord God, I thank you for your word today. I thank you that your word is powerful. I thank you, God, for the story of Stephen, a man full of wisdom and full of your Holy Spirit. How, Lord, he never once gave up on you. He stood courageously believing that you are the Son of God, that you are the Christ, the Messiah. And he even testified knowing that it would probably cost him his life. God, I pray for faith to arise in each and every one of us courage to rise in each and every one of us, to be a witness, to be a testimony to those that are around us. Let our lives, Lord God, be a legacy for others to follow. Just as Paul writes, follow me as I follow Christ. God, let us have that in us, the Spirit, your Spirit, in such a powerful way that we're filled so much with your Spirit, that people see the glory of God in us. I pray, God, that would take place with every head bowed, eyes closed. For just a moment, I feel impressed to do this today. If you're here today, you've never been made a decision to follow Jesus Christ. Let me just give you the plan today. Maybe you're watching this online and you've never made a commitment towards Christ. Jesus said basically to those, those who were, that he encountered, he said, follow me. And basically that's the call for you, is to follow Christ. And if you want to follow Christ, all you have to do is just, I. I just pray, it's just a simple prayer, it's just, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Today I choose to follow you. Give me the power of your spirit, I pray. Say that prayer and mean it, 
And guess what? You have been accepted. You have been brought into the family of God. And now you are a follower after Jesus Christ. Turn your life away from sin and turn your life towards God. It's the grace of God. You can do it. Amen? Amen. This week I am praying for all of us today that we will leave a legacy and that will be brought forth into our minds. And everything that we do this week, am I leaving a legacy for Christ? If you accepted Christ today as your Lord and Savior, I encourage you to share that with somebody. Share it with the church. Share it with a friend. Let them know what you have done. Because when we confess the positive, there's something that changes. You know, somebody, this is another word for somebody. We always think confession in the negative. I don't know, I think it's because we confess our sins in the sense that we, we confess. What about confession in the positive? I confess that I'm a follower. See, that's what Stephen did this day. He confessed that he was a follower of Christ. Let's confess who we are in Christ to others. Amen? Come on. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.